1: And a secret
2: proceedings. Radio. Greetings and salutations to all my fellow Sky Watchers. All of you listening on Earth tonight. Hell, intergalactically, on the flat Earth, Hollow Earth, or from another dimension, welcome to another Packed Sky Watchers Radio broadcasting live once again from this beautiful New Logic Studios down here in Miami, Florida. It is October 18th. look at that, 2016, the year's almost gone, folks, and uh, I am Angel Espino. with me as always is the one and only the first lady of Skywatchers Radio, Crystal Storm, welcome to the show, my dear,
3: my dear. Hello, big pookie. Hey, pookie, how you doing? What's up? Hey, I have to do a really quick shout out, because at midnight, it's my mom's birthday, so happy oh my birthday to my mom at midnight.
2: Happy birthday to mom, that's awesome. Yeah. Yep, yep, We're, we're going to be polite, and we're not going to ask the age.
3: Yeah, I don't even know. <laughs> I wouldn't even be able to like, cause I, cause our family is horrible to each other. So I totally call her out. I tell you exactly how old she. I have no fucking idea. <laughs>
4: no, uh, I want to do that to the
2: poor lady. But happy birthday, uh-huh. mom, to you. Much love, and hopefully she has a lot of uh, wonderful memories tomorrow, for, you know, for her birthday. And uh, with uh, myself and Crystal tonight joining the party here is the one and only, the fabulous as usual, the master of disaster, the one who likes to bring the ruckus and the news. Christopher J. Brown, what's up, buddy?
1: Hello, how's it going, everybody? With my $4 headset, I'm back. Ah, look at that. Mm-hmm, Hello. that's right. I was out. I was out of commission with my headset that it wouldn't get on me, and so I scored a headset at the uh, Goodwill for $4. You know my $4 friend, 100. you
2: sound like four bucks. You really do. <laughs> oh, that's
1: wonderful. Well, hey, I'm glad I sound like four bucks. I could sound like a buck fifty, huh? Because I had that blue tag on. I could have gone a buck fifty. Hey, TV. you know, a few weeks ago, you
2: sounded like twenty-five cents. So you're that's coming right. up in the that's world. Right. Oh, well,
1: hey, I was hoping to sound like fifty cents, you know, but come on. Well,
2: well you got to get Richard that shrine. That's all yeah. what I'm
3: saying. <laughs> you do what you can do, okay? Yeah, make a dollar out of fifteen cents. Yeah, there you go. That's all that matters, <laughs> you know? You handle it to your business.
2: Guys, if you want to join in on the the fun tonight or the shenanigans, uh, please uh, go ahead, call in. We have uh, open lines till the end of the uh, first segment here until we get our guest on. So uh, the number is 786-245-8127. Again, the number is 786-245-8127. The other guy is not with us tonight. I don't know if he's going to join later on or not. Maybe something happened to him. I haven't really spoken to him tonight, so hopefully he's doing all right. Uh, But joining us tonight is a critically acclaimed author of history, uh, and uh, this gentleman is awesome. He's uh, Mr. Harry Drew, who is highly regarded for his professional ethics and trusted results in research. And uh, what does that have to do with UFOs, you, be, you may ask yourself? Well, you're going to find out. Just wait and see.
3: Yeah, we're not telling. We're not telling. i ain't
1: spilling Tell the beans. Know. not saying nothing now. No, it's a secret. In the, in the He's words a of George... historian, too. Yes. He is... Uh... A true historian, as he likes to say, as, as a lot of people say they are. Uh, but this, but uh, Harry is just somebody who is a true historian that is in charge of, of uh, a bunch of... Um, of true history. Yeah, history. And he's in yes, charge true. of other museums true. and stuff like that, I believe.
2: That he's, he's like the real of. Indiana Jones type.
1: Yeah, there you go.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah baby. That was, good.
3: that was good.
2: But what does that have to do with aliens? Don't worry about it. You're going to see. Where- It's Skywatchers Radio. What do we do here, guys? What do we talk about?
3: Talk about freaking aliens,
2: man. Freaking aliens, man.
3: And we make fun of the other guy. We do all kinds of stuff.
2: I miss the other guy right now just for that particular reason.
3: I know.
1: I guess I'll have to take his bolts tonight, huh?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, We'll we'll find a way to make fun of you uh, there, Christopher J. Brown. We'll, we'll figure, figure it out. Figure we'll do something. We'll,
1: we'll figure it out.
3: We'll figure it out. I
2: we'll bet you, Tres Leche will uh-huh. jump in the call here real quick if we start, you know, making fun of you because that's his tag. That's his shtick. Is
3: yeah. that what it is? If we make <laughs> if we make some sort of fun of somebody else, Tres Leche is going to
2: call in. That'd be hilarious. Yeah, I think he'll get mad at that. I think. <laughs> Remember, I've known him for a, a long time, guys. I'm going about a decade or so that I've and known I Tres, Tres Leche, so nice. I, I know how he is. I know the guy. I know him well.
3: You do. You yeah. do. You do. You guys have an amazing relationship. Oh my God. <laughs> it's so like a marriage. <laughs> it so is. <laughs> and it's worse than
2: when we're in person. That's that's when oh we're like my God, together God. hanging
3: out like Guys, hanging oh. out with Tress Leche and Angel at the UFO convention was an amazing experience. Amazing.
2: It re- I really did feel like a battered wife I really did I, like, I now know what a battered wife feels like I, I never wanted to experience that kind of thing Because I'm a man And I'm a man's man You know, I'm a, I'm a macho type of dude But now I, I understand ladies I understand what a battered wife uh, feels that like
3: That is also bullshit By the way I'm calling Jackal out <laughs> Jackal is a gentleman Okay I did not As a female uh, who was spent the weekend with the Jackal And the other guy I can say 100% that Jackal is nothing but a gentleman He did. I was completely comfortable with him all weekend. The other guy, I'm going to be going to call him out. A little suspect. (laughs) The other guy's a little suspect. I'm not even going to lie. Jackal, gentleman. The other guy, ah, you know. Mm. (laughs) He might be that guy in the bar that makes you feel a little uncomfortable. I'm just going to throw that out there. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't even think he realizes it. And that's completely unfair to say when he's not here. I should tell him that when he's here. I will
2: next week. I'm we, we will though. That's the thing. That's that's the oh, lovely yeah. thing about the other Absolutely. guy. Yeah, we will say this stuff to his face. That's why we miss him. Oh, I, I
3: would, I would, I would tell him to his face, all up in his face.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun convention. You know, you know, I, I, we took a lot of pictures with the folks that, that we met over there at MUFON, and I actually just went to uh, Walmart yesterday and got a bunch of them framed. To put them oh, on the wall. Nice. So I'm gonna have like a little wall here in the room, in the uh, studio room, that is gonna be dedicated to Skywatchers Radio. So I, qu- I could do some quick videos and stuff. And in the background, you're gonna see the framed pictures of us interacting with like Stan Friedman, Alejandro Rojas, Kathleen Martin, you know, some of the folks out there. Uh, really cool pictures. Really, really. Catholic cool Kathleen
3: Martin stuff, so. is such a sweet lady. Oh such my God, a isn't sweet, she? Sweet lady. I love her. Oh, she's great.
2: Yeah, and, and a great author. I mean, I have read a few of her books, and uh, she is phenomenal, especially when she worked with uh, Stan Friedman. I mean, they write really great together. So.
3: I love that they work together, too, because yep. they are so polar opposites. I mean, they just, you would never have kind of thought, I mean, you could see them coming together just because of, you know, who she is and who he is in the field of, you know, ufology, but the fact that they, you know, continually work together would mm. never have called that. Would never. I mean, because Stanton Friedman, he's he's very kind of almost what you would expect, you know, given his background and who he is, and you know, if you've ever listened to any of his lectures or read any of his books. And then you have, you know, Kathleen, who is literally like the sweetest old lady, very well spoken, very um, tiny, really, uh, yeah, very tiny, very polite. Like she is like literally, she's like that grandma that you want that's that, like you you would expect. Like you go home and she like feeds you and like gets you tea and like you know. Makes you feel better about your life, like she like gives off like that vibe.
2: Yep, <laughs> totally. She's the type of person that she's doing an interview and is tanking, and it's not her fault; it's the, the host's fault. She'll tap mm-hmm. you on the on the arm and be like, "It's okay, honey. We're gonna we're gonna get through this." And she'll continue to do her best job to make sure the interview's good. That's how you know, professional and great she is. Huh. Oh, I, I yeah, totally. And she love tells
3: her. the best stories. I literally just yeah, had, oh my god, her recounting of what happened to her to her uncle and aunt. I'm just forget about it. We could have just we could have talked to her all day. Because she tells the best, and she just does it so well, and she's just so sincere and obviously passionate about what she's speaking about. It's great.
2: Yeah, I really, really uh, dug uh, hanging out with Kathleen Martin, and, and, and her interview was really, really uh, phenomenal. Even yeah. though, of course, we all, you know, if you follow ufology long enough, you're going to know the Betty and Barney Hill story, and you're going to know what happened to them and stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. it's you know that's one of the legendary stories in ufology. In fact, we were kind of talking about that yesterday on uh, on Ufinal Radio. Uh, About Travis's case and uh, how his is like the kind of the Roswell of the abduction phenomenon. And uh, you know, you could actually throw in Betty and Barney Hills also in that kind of category because they were first, first of all. Um, it's a very controversial case because of the, si- the situation and the players involved. And you know, she actually did, you know said t- something existed that NASA didn't know exists until uh, like ten years later, which is that star map that she uh, told them about, and uh, they verified it. What it was like a decade later, or quiz, something like that, right? Like 10 11 years later something like that
1: yeah, something and, like that yep
2: yeah so i mean this is something that when you put those things together you got to say well you know her story and, and betty and Martin Hill's uh, story. You can't,
1: was, and the dress too the dress with the blue stuff that is still in the swissonian am i correct
2: right uh, yeah mm-hmm. that is correct yeah, i mean there's there's so many different layers you can also throw that one into the mix there and uh uh it's an amazing story and it's it's um, you know, it's wonderful that she's been able to, to keep it alive and not not let people forget about it because it's one of those things where, you know, it's been years, it's been decades since it happened. It's easy to forget right. that it happened. Well, it's see, and it's also
3: completely different talking to someone, you know, who's just a historian who's just studied it and, you know, they know the case really well versus, you know, someone who was actually related to you know Betty and Barney Hill, and was you know she was she was present while while, while her aunt and uncle are going through all this. Right. So Can you imagine that getting I mean, that call.
2: Yeah. Can you imagine getting that call at 13? You're sitting there just watching TV or or playing video games because that's what you're probably doing now, and and it's one of your uncles or aunts, and they're like, uh, I just got abducted by aliens, and I got a bunch of stories to tell. somebody, put your dad right. on. Can you imagine right, that? Right. That taking that What's her from? relation?
1: What's her relation to him? What she's relation to him? She's uh, Betty uh, Betty's uh, niece. Niece, okay. Right. So Betty Betty called her sister right away the next day
2: or whenever it happened. Okay. Right, right, right. And and Barney obviously was just uh, he was was, was. yeah he was uh, Betty's husband so he was uh, her uncle by marriage. Uh, But I mean, can you imagine being that child and getting that phone call? I mean, that that's a life changer. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean, that's I mean, that's and I, I was awesome. I got to ask the question, like, what is that like? Literally, what is that like when you get that phone call? Like, all of a sudden, I have this crazy uncle because I can't. Yeah. I mean, we're all believers that's now. But I can't. What they were
1: thinking that very first was though, like, right. what are that's out a doing, whole you know? different
3: era. You know, it's a whole different mindset. So I can't even put myself in that mindset. of that's I'm not even probably, thinking yeah. about that's... outer space like it's never in. It's never even been in my radar. And then all of a sudden, you know, my 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 uncle comes home, who is obviously not that guy, and says that he has <laughs> an experience. Like what? <laughs> <Yeah>. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I
1: everything around it, you know, like I say, with the dress yeah. and all that. Mm-hmm. That's, that was something. Every first when they call up, and I'm sure when she said it, they're oh yeah, like like take. But then and when then the rest of it, then they're probably yeah, I'm sure it was a a real powerful thing for them, you know.
2: Well, not only that, I mean, when, uh, you know, the discovery of the star map happened, all these things. I mean, at first, I'm pretty sure the first couple of years, they're like, they're crazy. They're just, you know, delusional. They're on drugs. Or, you know, they, that's probably what they thought, I'm pretty sure. You know, that's the rational mind thinking uh, when you hear something like this, a tale of, of abduction and, and you know, the the events sure. that happen to them. The first thing you think of, like, oh, this person's like... A- Fucking lunatic. This is crazy talk. And I'm pretty sure that ran through the minds of some of her family members. But at some point, when some of this stuff starts to get verified by NASA, that's when the family starts going, Wait a second. Mm -hmm. And all Betty and Barney Hill have to do is say, Yeah, see, we kind of told you so. Like, you know, there you go. We're not crazy. Right.
1: Well, that's like I said last night on euphenot it's it's this u f o s uh e t s really know who to pick, and in the sixties when they thought it was a complete taboo thing for Betty Marty to be married anyway, uh well they got a hard enough time in their life anyway, so let's just have this happen to them and you know give it a real challenge and and um so it's it's it really is one of these things it's who they pick and and what these things happen to is is such a uh, a big thing that I I, I myself, as an experiencer, uh, notice a lot. You know, you know to me, I have to overcome a lot to yeah. really get to to what they have to do, and so I get that.
2: Real, real quick, to me, it's it's almost as if you know they were picked to as a social or scientific experiment to see what they would be like and how they would deal with this, mm. considering. Their, you know, background and what the, the, you know, the whole thing of, you know, their interracial marriage in the 60s, 70s, you know, that was very taboo back then. And and they were very open about their relationship and about who they were. And I think that of that, too. I think
1: of that being They're here in America. Yeah. But if you go into, like, in, over in the UK, you go into over other parts of the world. Uh, it's not looked upon at that different. No, no, and no. But so, back in
2: America, it was. That's the sad I don't think part. EETs Remember,
1: ET's are essentially coming to America, thinking, "Well, this is obvious weird for Americans to start for for well, think about here." No, mean, but but went think to another Chris, country but and think, and think,
2: Yeah, but think about this, Chris. Where is that more taboo in Europe or America? Interracial dating back in the '60s, America, right? If you're an alien race and you're coming down to Earth, let's just put ourselves in the alien mind for a second. And you're trying to decipher this race, and you're trying to see how they handle situations, how they do things. And the number one superpower is when you have to contact eventually, right, and to be friends with or to work with in some power or some way. And that being America, right? Why wouldn't you go to America and start doing main studies like this to American citizens and single them out? Instead of going to Europe or other third world countries and single them out, yeah, you might do some stuff there. Like that's why you have stuff in Lima, Peru, and a lot of these other areas that are a lot smaller. But America, you would figure would have some social environmental studies similar to this, something that they they could you know look at human nature and how we react to these certain situations where now we're taking outside of our comfort zone and you know we're being shown things that we're not used to seeing. And I think that's you know makes perfect sense. If I'm going to Another world. That's where I'm going to, you know, go and study, especially if I'm a scientific race, which that's what I believe. That a lot of aliens who have been on Earth in the, in the last hundred thousand years or whatever it is, uh, whatever if you believe, uh, you know, the Anunnaki or if you believe the Grays or whatever it is that you believe in that exists, whatever it is that's out there, uh, I'm pretty sure that's what they would do. I mean, they would go to the number one superpower there. They would try to infiltrate, learn that system, learn how people react, especially if you want to understand the human consciousness and the human being as a creature, as what we are. Because I I, I guarantee you that uh, little gray guys are nothing like us.
3: Yeah. And that's very – and you know what? It's very, very interesting to me as to why they would have picked, you know, Betty and Barney. And, I mean, I can understand it from an interracial, you know, kind of perspective – um, but at the same time, I mean, the the gist that I get, you know, just listen from Kathleen talking about the story is you could not have picked two more people that did not want to talk about. What of course, that's you exactly know? Like why they, they... Like they did. They, you, I mean, did not. were not trying to write a book, a TV show or nothing. I mean, anything that they did yep. in regards to this was really just so they could get on with their lives. Right. You know, which it was is exactly not about telling the story at all.
2: That's exactly why you pick him. You don't pick some some guy in the Switzerland uh, with one arm. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, you don't you don't pick that guy. Why why would right. you pick that guy? You pick this couple who do not want this kind of thing to go out.
3: Like at all. <laughs> at all. Exactly. <laughs> at all. Mm-hmm. Just that, that makes I it feel more so sense. bad for Barty. I feel like his his whole just like complete world. I mean, you know, it's car get horrible enough to kind of have that you know experience with the UF. Right. I can't imagine you know that time that place. You're already dealing with so much, and now this. Like for real. <laughs> I yeah, can't, I can't imagine. Like, I, just
2: can't I mean, imagine. he's a, mm-hmm. a a real true American hero because I mean, he went through some
3: oh, yeah. craziness.
1: He yeah. was this World War I II veteran or something like that, right? That too. That also, mean, yeah. People
3: don't realize how mm-hmm. hard it was back then. I mm-hmm. mean, for him to be in love with a white like we take that for granted. That was a big freaking deal. Yeah, like, so he is already his life is already not easy. Mm-hmm. And now you and now he's going to go around saying that I got abducted by UFOs for real, like. I, that's I can't imagine. I cannot imagine. And not only
2: be him who's saying it, have others say it,
3: right? And put right, it out there. Right, right.
2: And put it out there before even he was comfortable with it.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: So yeah, but, no, there's a lot of but layers to story. at least that their story. story
3: got validated. You know, at least it wasn't one of those. I mean, at least there was some proof, and you know, things did come out to validate their story. So it wasn't just you know, there's this guy who wanted attention because of X, Y, Z. Correct,
2: yep. Yeah. Now we, uh, do have a couple of stories that, uh, you know, that's happened this past, uh, couple of weeks. Uh, uh, Chris, uh, do you have anything on the wall of weird you want to bring up, uh, before we go to break in about 10 minutes?
1: Well, I, I, I really had just, I didn't really. I'm going to be honest with you. So in the as first part of it here, I was able to go and, and scrounge up one video that I had sent here, uh, to our good friends at Open Minds. And, um, this was a, a video with a bunch of people. I don't know if you can see I put it in our, our little uh, chat here, but I'll put it in the PFSN chat here. And this is a bunch of people out on the uh, freeway that come to a complete stop uh, with some UFOs that were apparently in the distance. And they all got out. It looked like it was in China or something like that, I guess. And they all got out and took yeah. the camera. I don't know if it's Photoshopped or what it is, but, but that's what it is, so that's what I was
3: – I'm saying it's definitely not Photoshopped because there are literally a bunch of people on this bridge getting out of their cars. With they their really Photoshop. are. Yeah, like they're yeah. really – I so I don't know what this thing is. I will leave that to the video experts, but this is definitely not a Photoshop thing. these are Now, this is how I would expect it to happen when you see a UFO. People stop, get out of their cars, and everybody's got their camera phone out.
2: Pretty much, especially nowadays with your – High-definition phones and, and whatnot, even though these don't right. look like very high-definition photos or images.
3: But No, this one doesn't. I wonder if we could get – I mean because there are literally like 20 people on this bridge with their phones mm-hmm. out. Somebody yeah. had to have gotten a better video of That's this. That's
1: what I was thinking. And so when you're only seeing the one video of this, then that that makes it – I want know, to see what wonderful. they see. I
3: mean because from this angle, it's really hard for me to say, are you guys seriously just tripping out over an airplane? But right. I feel like you know twenty this many people. I'm, I'm going to give the benefit of doubt that say this many people would not have been like airplane. So there's obviously something in the sky here. I or
2: or there's a bunch of people that got out of their car because they're like in some pileup and they're trying to look to see what's going on. Or there's an accident or something, and somebody just snapped a picture and had the bright idea of like, hey, let's uh, pretend this is a UFO p- uh, picture and put it on the internet.
3: Maybe I don't know this guy on. But then the right again, I don't trust guy, humans, so. That's true. I know it's okay. You shouldn't. Um, this guy <laughs> on the right hand side, his phone's pointed at the sky. I don't know. I'm not calling. I'm not sure about that.
2: Well, I'm not going to call Bad Squatch on it yet, but I'm suspect. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. There is one story I, I did want to get to, and uh, I want to talk about this for a minute. A uh, UFO expert uh, who was going to expose black magic ring uh, and and see fi- and fin- financiers. <clears throat> Excuse me, uh, was found dead. That's all the story. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. 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 This is interesting. Mm. This is interesting. So a thirty nine year old father of two was found dead in Poland Mm -hmm. over the summer with. Yeah. With black liquid oozing from his mouth, reminiscent of the black oil that alien beings used to inhabit human hosts in the TV series The X-Files. He had spent his final months researching the dark arts. So apparently he was going to expose back magic. He was going to expose some of the stuff he was working on involving political leaders and celebrities. Um, His gal pal, a 31-year-old Sarah Adams, told Yahoo News. Um, Spears said Adams, she spoke to Adams about his fear of dying numerous times, um, that they were used to getting death stress or stuff like that from people. Um, But I think this time it seemed rather real. He'd been sent threats saying that him and me were going to die. But even in the hours before he died, he was still looking forward uh, to a future with his, with his soon-to-be wife. I believe it was his fiancée. Um, they, nice, they had nice dreams for the future, guys. And basically, those dreams are gone because he is now dead. He was in Poland over the summer to give a talk on conspiracy theories and UFOs, something he'd become an expert on over the years after claiming to be a survivor of a government super soldier program. That's interesting. Well then, uh huh. Guess the disinformation code didn't work. Nope,
2: nope, 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 nope. I guess not. Uh, that oh, wow. was very, very, very creepy. The whole uh, black uh, goo coming out of his mm. mouth—very mm-hmm. X Files-ish. That's the first thing I thought of too when I heard the story and I saw the just the actual you know link description. I was like, oh, X Files.
3: Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Yep. That's, uh, I mean, obviously horrifying for the other people. I mean, because yeah. normally when, when you hear about that kind of stuff, it's, um, you know, he had a heart attack, you know, or, you know, some right, you know, right, car right. crash or something like that, you know, something that could be explained away. The fact that he was killed this way, I wonder if something that he was researching backfired. I mean, when you mess around in the black arts, yeah, you never know.
2: you never know exactly. You know, it's funny because I was watching a video with uh, Angelina Jolie, uh, that somebody had uh, recorded in uh, in secret, like she didn't know she was being recorded, and she's no. talking about the Illuminati and having joined the Illuminati in the video, and some of the she's rituals. She's not
3: the first one. Yeah, though, been there's been a, a few. A lot of, I mean, like Beyonce's one. I mean, she like mocked it in one of her videos, but yep. she's been caught on camera saying some. Crazy crap.
2: No, but in this one, she's like describing like the rituals and stuff that they make her do. Like, it's this is like really, really out there stuff. And she didn't, had no mm-hmm. idea she was being recorded. And, uh, you know, black magic is something that these people do worship. And uh, I wonder exactly what this gentleman was sitting on, Max Spears that caused his death, because I don't think this is anything natural, obviously. uh, This kind of a a tar coming out from from inside of him, that's not natural, folks. So, this is a a murder, this is uh, somebody uh, either drugged him, killed him that way, or maybe they put some kind of spell on him, who knows, I mean... I'm open for suggestions on this one, but this is a very bizarre, creepy story. Black
1: tar almost sounds definitely like a poisoning. You know, people who are bitten by a real poisonous snake will be basically throwing up black stuff. It'll be blood, but it's been coagulated so much and melted through your tissues and all that. It basically comes out black. And so maybe, (laughs) yeah, maybe they're using some type of poison from that and, you know, or... uh, they're whipping all the poisonous snake ones together and everything they can, and boom, you're doomed. You only know, get a little drip of it. In there. Yeah,
3: Jesse's in the chat room. She hmm. says he says that Max was a fascinating guy, so we would have to look into him yeah. into his story a little bit more. Hmm. I'm actually quite uh, quite interested. Yeah, I read,
2: I read the story uh, earlier today, and I was taken back, pretty uh, pretty shocked uh, by you know reading you know the whole black liquid and you know just his background and. Uh, the fact that he was mm-hmm. going to expose some of this stuff. See, when it happens in a situation where the guy's going to expose something and then he just dies yeah. mysteriously like this, it really leaves that taboo of like, well, what did he really know?
0: Like, right
2: now, sure. now everybody's right. going to want to tear through his, uh, you know, his work and see exactly what he was working on, what he knew. I wonder if he left behind notes or a book that he was writing or something. Mm-hmm. probably a journal or now. something a journal maybe, i I, I would
3: i would ima- i mean he obviously was about to expose something he obviously had done a lot of research so he's got to have something but i imagine a lot of his stuff is probably on lockdown i um, would assume so yeah. i mean yeah his story is even more fascinating too because he claims to have been you know in the super soldier program and that's i mean should be pretty familiar all those different kinds of programs to us but mm-hmm. i mean normally those guys i mean i really feel like a lot of them have been fed a whole lot of disinformation So what was it that he knew that they didn't want us to know? He obviously was on to something.
2: Right. You know, it almost reminds me, uh, and and it's loosely reminded me, of the Art Bell Area 51 caller back in the 90s. -hmm. The reason I say that is because when he called in, now, that was a practical joke. Brian J. Glass, uh, you know, he's the one who did it. Uh, So that wasn't a real Area 51 caller, guys. But Art Bell's satellite really did go off the air. That really mysteriously happened, where they have no idea how it happened. It was knocked offline. And it happened as the story was getting, you know, really heavy. And, uh, you know, maybe this is kind of what happened to this guy. He was getting really deep into, like, this stuff, and somebody had to knock him offline. Right. Like Art uh, right, satellite. Right, right. So, yeah. my condolences to uh, the Spears family. I mean, this is a terrible to lose a loved one, you know, regardless. But, my goodness, I wonder exactly what this man knew.
3: Yeah, I mean, it had, what? I mean... There had to have been something. He he definitely had a there was there was something that he was one hundred percent about, and he was going to yep. talk about that he didn't mm-hmm. say. I mean, because just think about the stuff that actually did get out. I mean, Alex Jones is a kook and you know whatever, but he did get into Bohemian Grove, and I've been to Bohemian mm-hmm. Grove. and That's a really creepy. Pl- I mean, let me let me rephrase. I have driven by Bohemian. <laughs> Grove. Let me rephrase. I did not. I was not. You're about to get a.
2: You're about to have this happen at five in the morning.
3: Right, no, uh, no, 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 Crystal Storm, right uh, we got to speak. California on business, we were close, I'm like, we're going to go drive by it. And that town is literally like a blink and you'll miss it. Like legitimately, yep. if you blink, you will miss it. And it's got the whole, like, shady van on the side of the road with tinted windows. Okay, hi, You're, you know, wave, wave <laughs> to the FBI as you walk by. You know, it's got all that so... I mean, there have been a lot of things that they have allowed people to expose about them. So, what was it about this guy that they were like, "Nah, you can't. Nope, you got to go." Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: yeah, yeah. Well, so think, they, didn't, uh, they didn't expose black magic uh, at the Bohemian Grove video, but they exposed a lot of the rituals and stuff. But uh, go ahead, Chris. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: No, I just was going to say I think that's something I'm going to stay away from for sure. But right, it, on think, yeah. that, I, I was yeah. going to say I think we're about at that time. Yes, for we are indeed. Break. We're mm-hmm. going
2: to take a little break. When we come back, we have our guest Harry Drew is going to be on with us and uh stick around. This is going to be a fun show. He has a lot to say and a fascinating individual. We'll be right back on Skywatchers Radio. <laughs>
0: An abduction are we alone information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com theufostore.com offers hundreds of dvds about ufos aliens crop circles conspiracies bigfoot suppressed science and ancient mysteries log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free ufo store catalog theufostore.com the largest selection of ufo products on the internet imagine no longer being tied down to your computer but having the freedom to take live talk
2: radio with you anywhere you go Talkstream live introduces our first ever iphone application the talk shows you follow now follow you
0: and more superman.hopepage.com 973 3 3 that's nine five four nine seven three thirty three seventy-four, or visit KeyInformation.com. Information dot com. <inaudible> Love 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 Love, Love. 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 I'm loud,
3: i Love, Love.
0: Love. 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 thought, reflections of both about reality, solutions to issues with society, such discourse in public gains, public opinion.
2: All right, everybody, we're back on Skywatchers Radio, and uh, uh, you know I've uh, I love this uh, song we're playing here by Space Boy. He's uh, provided some really good tunes over the uh, last uh, year and a half. Oh, so shout oh out my to Space Boy. My that brother was. Brother. Intellectual Love by Spaceboy. He's awesome, and uh, we, you know, we love playing uh, independent music. So if you guys are listening and you have independent music, send that our way. We'll play it right here, and uh, we'll give you a shout out live on the uh, show. Uh, but now, without any further delay, we have our guest on the on the line with us, and uh, Crystal's going to uh, read his bio because this gentleman right here, he's the real deal, and uh, he deserves uh, to be, you know, completely explained away before you actually hear him.
3: Absolutely. So our guest tonight was officially recognized for his professional achievements by the Congress of the United States. He was an elective representative, as well as being appointed to numerous boards and commissions in multiple jurisdictions at local, state, and federal levels. He's an investigative researcher, filmmaker, and documentarian, former director of museums of history, anthropology, and archaeology. He's a newspaper columnist an author of history for the past 40 years, as well as being a public speaker with expertise in visual media, including photography, television, and film production since 1972. I don't know when he sleeps. As a cultural research specialist in ancient civilizations, his records demonstrate a remarkable ability to locate previously unknown or unfound sites, and he consistently hunts down important finds. He has also extensive executive management experts experience in both the public and private sectors. He also has an artistic background that includes design, mixed media, fine arts that have been featured in exhibits shown in the United States and Europe as well as theater. We have on the line tonight the one, the only Harry Drew.
2: Welcome to Skywatchers Radio. Wow,
4: right. holy smoke. Yes, I good know. evening. How are all of you?
2: Oh, my goodness. We're uh, excited. We're excited huh. to have you on. It's such a pleasure to have you on here with us. And uh, let me just kick off the questions here at the Q&A. I want to know uh, what, you know, was asked uh, during the bio there.
4: When do you sleep? My goodness. Mm-hmm. Do you sleep? You
3: don't sleep. Do you yeah, sleep? That's
4: you know, I I have a couple of sons. I'm going to answer you a little bit differently. <laughs> I have a couple of sons, and they're older now. And um, there was a class assignment in elementary school for my oldest son, but one year difference between the two. And it was uh, to draw a drawing with crayons of what your dad does like in his free time. And he draws this kind of a stick figure, and he prints in elementary school printing, Works. <laughs> that's what I do in my third time. Oh, and, <laughs> yeah, and I thought, well, and I still have that. And I thought, yeah, this is, you know, that's very true. But you know, it's the the funny thing is, that's how he is, and I think it rubbed off both uh, of them, both sons. And um, the older son figures in later because um, he is like right up there in the genius department. Dad can say that uh, he works with a, a lot of special effect things for Hollywood and some of the films you've seen that's his stuff and uh, he also uh, is an inventor and scientist and he's working with some uh, big name companies on everything from lubrication uh for mechanical engines and things to more sci-fi stuff uh, really sci-fi stuff and um he was the individual who designed and built and controlled the most advanced flight control system in the world for James Cameron's Mariana Trench dive. And oh, wow. they did it, you know. And yep. and he was there in the ship and running this thing so that it could be done. So this is the kind of person, and he is, and I say this because he fits in, because Crystal read about my ability to greed ground terrain. And what what that's all about is I can go to an area and I can determine if there was human occupation there 5,000 years ago by looking at the area pretty much. Okay, gives you an idea. You're going to an area where you know ancient civilizations existed, or right. 350 years ago. And I could not read the ground terrain in the Mojave County area because in the last 15 to 20 years, a lot of moisture and climate changes happened. We're desert. Okay, but there's some undergrowth now, and so right in the middle of the Mariana Trench dive work, he stopped and came up and ran a drone for me with six of my cameras, so I could theoretically stand 10 feet and 30 feet off the ground and see. And it helped wow. me. It helped me find one of the crashes here.
2: Oh, nice. yeah. And a friend so, of mine, a
4: curator for 20 years, has been out there year after year after year trying to find it, and he had some really, and I have that information out too, uh, from him and from the source, the the excellent information from from someone connected to Area 51, the real Area 51. Yeah,
3: and, that's interesting um, you say that. And, and saying say where it
4: is, yeah. So, anyway, I'm sorry, I got off the point, sort of, but, um, yeah. <laughs> no, you, you know, it, it,
2: it, everybody in the family seems to be amazing, everybody named Drew. Oh, yeah, yeah,
4: <laughs> yep. Yeah. Nobody's, nobody has time to rest. You know, right. It's full speed ahead and nobody looks back.
1: Now let's, let's How's, how's, Nan, how's
4: Nancy doing? How's Nancy How doing?
1: doing? Nancy Drew? That's Nancy a different did. Drew, man. Now, yeah, Nancy uh, Drew. Oh, you um, know, the Hardy Boys and the my, Nancy my, Drew mysteries. My, my great, 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 yeah.
4: my great, great grandfather was Jean Drew, the actor. And, um, uh, he and William Henry Blythe who was also an actor and they were both they both had a little shot they had to do something to make money to be legitimate because actors don't make a lot of money back then this is a long time ago and um so they made violins and and they were in Dublin okay uh-huh. and they wanted to go to New York and they and they got enough money for a passage on a schooner to go to America and they hit the stage there and John Drew became very famous his son John Drew uh Junior, who is my great-grandfather, uh, became an f- even more famous actor. And William Henry Blythe, our cousin, changed his name to Barrymore. You catching on to all this?
2: Barrymore, <laughs> huh? Yeah, yeah, it, actually, isn't yeah. Na-
4: uh. it isn't Nancy Drew. It's Drew Barrymore.
2: Yeah. Ah, so you're okay. related to Drew Barrymore, nice.
4: Yeah, yeah. So no fan. kidding, you know what? That's the first time I've mentioned that on the radio ever.
2: That is amazing. So you really, truly yeah. are related to uh, Drew Trimble. Uh, that's that's I, fascinating.
4: Yeah. So I, fascinating. I have a lot of interesting people that I that I met when I was a kid.
2: Yeah, no kidding. I bet. Yeah. Uh-huh. Did you go up to her and, and were you like, uh, uh, "Hey, uh, Drew? Uh, so uh, can you really start fires with huh? your mind?
3: <laughs> yeah, <Bieber. laughs> the
2: mind. So the fire starter, guys." Mm-hmm.
3: Oh yeah. my Just so good. I, I love Drew movie.
2: Barrymore. I actually am a big fan, uh, from the yeah. Scream movies and, uh, E.T. I mean, Jesus, we all grew up mm-hmm. with Drew Barrymore.
3: Yes, we did. Yeah, yeah she's an uh,
2: amazing actress. Uh, but let's, let's delve into, uh, you know, something a little bit creepy. No, I thought she was
1: adorable in The Wedding Singer. She
2: was. And that song, Growled With You, was awesome. But here, let's talk, let's, uh, get on topic here. Uh, Area 51. You, you mentioned there, uh, earlier that, there's the real a location. real area, yeah, the real location to Area 51 enlighten us because as far as everybody knows and the government just exposed or explained kind of sort of in their own way that, yeah, yeah, that desert place that everybody's been talking about that Bob Lazar said he worked at. Yeah, that, that place right there, yeah, that's Area 51. So you're saying there's a different in a real Area 51.
4: Well, th- there are so many versions of things. You know, see, I have to understand from my, my position and please everyone that's listening be. Patient with me. I am, I am a historian. Okay. And the difference is that I'm, I'm not saying I read a few books and this is how I'm an historian. You know, it's like I'm a professional. I've been doing this and, uh, uh, I'm in the field, boots on the ground. I don't sit in a library, just a library or a research facility and do like, uh, academic kind do. of stuff. You know, I mean, yeah. it's like I'm really involved. And uh, and I do whatever I need to do. I'm in the air, I'm on the ground, and, and, how, and climbing cliffs and all, all these kinds of things uh, so that I can get some kind of an idea uh, about what's real and what's not. I have a friend who is a curator, a museum curator, who uh, became personal friends with a man who became uh, a licensed minister and formed his own church long ago so that he could counsel Area 51 workers. And because they were dealing with things that were more than hair-raising. I mean, you hear about these things back in the 1940s and 50s. The, the entire culture and the way we behaved and the technology we enjoy today did not exist back then. And so things were. this, this is about people that were educated and, and good at heart. But they didn't have the technical savvy that the, that the average iP- iPhone user has, you know? I mean, it's just like, this stuff didn't exist. In Kingman, there was only 3,400 people in 1953. There was no television here, okay? And this kind of thing. So, back then, and this was the facility, an Army Air Corps base at Groom Lake, Nevada, which uh, was handed off by the Army Air Corps to Edwards Air Force Base in 1951, and with black budget money, we later call it that, they didn't have a, a real handy name for it back in 1951, they began immediately the upgrading of the facility, turning it into what we would later realize and call Area 51, which is up uh, in the same place in Nevada and uh, and it's there now, and you can't get very – well, you can get up to the sign in the road, and you better not cross. Right. And they And the guards usually make themselves uh, seen so you know, and there's a sign warning you. And if you cross over from your side, public side, to their side, you're, they're going to get you. And, and But so in the interviewing of the various workers, there, the bottom line was the first craft – that they had intact to analyze. Now, this is the story uh, from a curator, from the man who legitimately exists, and he's very elderly now, he's no longer in this area. This area means Kingman, Arizona. I'm in the Kingman, Arizona area. And so I have the benefit of being able to go out since 2006 every day and do this, and um, and I support my own project. This wasn't something I could turn to the National Endowment of the Humanities for, because they they don't uh, think that UFO studies are kosher. So, with that in mind, um, he told the curator where the red what's called here the Red Lake UFO went down, and that uh, it's in an area by what it's called Red Lake. Foo F O O tank, Foo tank. Um, Mojave yeah. County, Arizona, not in Mex- New Mexico, and uh so he went to the area because this the the minister told him that he was told him that this craft, the one uh the the craft that went down over here, uh, that he was aware of, was there, and it turned out that was the second craft, not the first, and some of the earlier when I say earlier, nineteen let's say 1980 and later, UFO storytellers about Kingman, and they have spun some incredible stories, about 15 different ones, that have no basis whatsoever, in fact. But they did get confused about Red Lake and what is what I call the Kingman UFO, which is the one that landed on the 18th of May and was finally taken out four days later. And without all the details of what they went through to do all of that, this craft was unblemished, didn't have so much as a scratch on it, and it was taken up back desert roads that I've been on, and went right up to the route, it was picked up and moved across the Colorado River on the backside of Hoover Dam, Boulder Dam, it's also known, and um, by the Army Corps of Engineers waiting there, and that craft is the basis for the entire Area 51 UFO story, and it came from here. And weighed five tons, and, I mean, I can go on and on about that. The craft, but the the craft the weighed site. five
2: tons? The, the, the craft itself weighed five tons? Pardon? The craft itself weighed five tons?
4: Five tons. Okay. Wow. All right, l- let me back up for a second. For everyone that doesn't know about this, um, and, and, and let's say, well, why don't we know much about the Kingman UFO? Right. Think about why. Why would you not know much about a secret? Mm. Okay, a secret. and 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 that seems like it's simple. Yeah. Right. Well, it didn't come to public. It didn't come to the public's attention until April and May, nineteen seventy-three, when a man by the name of Arthur Stansel, um, and this is important, um, was interviewed by a very esteemed and very uh, professional. Um, a man who lived in Massachusetts, Raymond Fowler, and who is still living, and uh, who and I admire great a great deal. And he interviewed this man as a result of a newspaper clip that was done on a boy in Sudbury, Massachusetts, about writing a book for youth on UFOs. This is 1973, 20 years after the Kingman UFO landed, and this man told the boy about it and. Fowler, Raymond Fowler, the researcher, had a clipping service, and someone clipped a little thing from the newspaper and sent it to him. He interviewed Stansel, and Stansel came out a 65-page interview and uh, and details about things that no one had ever heard about, and so Raymond Fowler checked out Stansel, who had been for real at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base for 12 years. He was sent to the uh, atomic bomb testing site in Nevada at Frenchman Flats and um, was a, a physicist, a mathematician, and an engineer by degrees and was involved in basically being something akin to the bomb blast analyst, um, the effect of the bombs, so we could learn about what happens when they hit a brick wall or a wood out. And he and 15 other or 14 other technicians, or a total of 15, were transported from Frenchman Flat to Indian Springs Air Force Base and flown to Phoenix, Arizona on the 21st day of May. Now, the craft went down on the 18th, and there's no military, by the way, in Kingman then. It had left the, the Air, Air Corps base closed, a large one it came Kingman, vacated, in August 1945, there's no military then. There's no military now, and so they were flown in, and um, to Phoenix they were met there by 25 scientists. They were loaded aboard a General Motors M3301 military uh, bus. There were 840 of them made. The driver of that bus, his name is Dennis. He drove them out here. The road was just being improved. From Phoenix, Arizona, head toward it, toward Kingman, Arizona. And it was still, in part, a wagon road. And up until a place called WikiUp. And then from WikiUp over, it was just a graded sand and dirt road to where they, they needed to take the bus, which could only travel on, on uh, pretty flat surfaces. It was, uh, low to the ground, underpowered, um, Rayon tires with inner tubes, you know, it's 1953, and so this isn't like what we have now. And, uh, and they went to the site, and they arrived early evening on the 21st of May, 1953, and were assigned and taken by military police to each area of their expertise to examine the downed craft. Mm. Interestingly enough... At 10 o'clock in the morning of the same day, three men southeast of where the UFO was sitting in the custody of the United States Air Force Retrieval Team were three men who were getting ready to do a salmon derby for youth, unrelated to what's going on and the whole thing, except one of them was training fighter pilots at three air bases in the state of Arizona. And as they're talking about what they're trying to do for children he looks up and he sees eight flying saucers disks okay Ooh. two or two were hovering one on each end and six were doing aggressive dogfight maneuvers and they could the, from the craft in the air they could clearly see their vehicle sitting on the ground the man on the ground didn't know anything about it. That's front page news in the newspaper. They stood and watched it for over an hour. Now, okay, did
2: make the front page news, or was this uh, buried like everything else?
4: This was front page newspaper. News. It actually
2: made newspaper. Now, I ask you, do you think these uh, aliens were connected to Roswell at all in '47?
4: This was 1953,
2: 1947. Yeah, uh, you think I, there was any connection between the two crafts? Yeah,
4: I did a. I, it's interesting. I did an interview. Uh-huh. on uh the outer edge isn't that with your network
2: that is on our network yeah tim schwartz yeah. and uh michael mott good advice.
4: and uh yeah and uh one of the two gentlemen uh said to me this really you know it's like you know you may it sounds like i have more more information than the the people on roswell and, and it, <laughs> that isn't like what i'm trying to do but but they said something that was interesting because of similarities and i want mm-hmm. to tell you here and now so everybody understands because it's It'd be in the, in the material that comes out, okay, from me, is that nobody knew about the Kingman UFO. They didn't know about, there are two more, okay. They didn't know about those at all. Either did I. I had no idea. And, and, and I couldn't believe the third one. So anyway, um, the, on the first craft that landed on 18 May,
0: 1953.
4: Okay. That craft, um, how am I gonna put this? The the information about that craft from the 1973 interview was followed closely by the people who, seven years later, wrote the Roswell story. I have a paper trail. The people oh who wrote that, you know, so it's like if there's similarities uh-huh. about some of the things at the landing site. Well, well it'd be no I surprise why. to me. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I you know. Why. Yeah.
4: You know. So and you know, and there's even commentary from the people who the, the the first two books. Same commentary case, yeah. and it's you can you can f- get that literature where they're saying yeah this is amazing and all of that stuff so the similarities i would say is um, kingman information about kingman came out seven years before roswell and, and i'm oh, talking wow. about story okay right. now if you want to jump back I'm, i don't want to confuse people historians have this long list we don't leave a stone unturned you know we we'll go out there's one more stone and it can take us forever sometimes to get things done by other people's standards but what we want is to be able to tell you what is correct and at the same time where we can do that we want to be able to tell you how you can check it out for yourself and prove it to yourself instead of some of the the uh, uh silly stories and right. mythology and stuff that comes out and so and and that was uh, kind of an important thing uh, to do so with that uh, in mind, you, know, you come back to Kingman again, where, where we have been with the first craft, and I mentioned a red lake craft. That mm-hmm. was for, that mm-hmm. was a, technically about three and a half days later. You say four because the dates change. It was okay. on the 22nd of May, and the retrieval team had handed off the Kingman UFO, uh, which was aboard a 38 foot trailer pulled by an imp, a 40 ton M25 tank transporter that came from Camp Irwin, loaded on flat cars. They sent equipment down from Irwin, came right in four miles south of Kingman, Arizona, Old Town. Okay, Old Town, and it had, was divided, Bunch Town, that's in town, six blocks. And then out of that became String Town, because it was strung out. So you got, it's very tiny. And so, it unloads. And the problem was they started driving this stuff through town in the middle of the night and Sheriff Porter and his under sheriff and the eight deputies they had are starting to get calls because there's all this stuff going through. And there's only two roads through Old, old Kingman back in 1953. And so that's another story altogether and how the sheriff responds and what happens there. And, and, and a lot of the old timers well, a few of the old timers that are left, there was more when I started this, um, and I say old timers, century families. Hmm. They know these things. They don't tell anybody on the outside. You know, it's like Las Vegas is way behind. Yeah, King what do you think Forest. that is though? What I mean, happens here? I
2: mean were they, do you think they were, you know, put into fear? Do you think they were threatened? I mean, what do you think that a lot of these folks just stayed quiet so long?
4: it's actually it's pretty simple and and uh, in the interview I have in video that I uh-huh. will, will include in a documentary I have a by the way I have a an oversized twenty two inch hardbound uh, acid free full color illustrated version of what I'm telling you about that's meant for libraries, universities of higher learning. And museums, okay? okay? And it's really okay. not a public thing. And sitting right in front of me at this moment is Junior. And Junior is the same, kind of the same thing. But it's smaller. It has hardbound in the back than, uh it has a DVD inside, okay? And that's not even, uh, even the one I'm looking at as far as when we get into the documentary stuff. And then I will also have a, a regular trade, 6x9 trade book, black and white, You know, and that kind of thing, which is the the Barnes and Noble, Amazon kind of stuff, that where it goes out in 2017 and to be released, but without getting lost too much, and it's really it bogs down, hard to follow. the The Red Lake craft was four days later on on the retreat. Was it another crash? It crashed. I did not expect this okay? okay and my curator friend is the cause of that uh and then uh and then getting the drone flights and then i found where it hit it clipped the top of a rocky butte, which is owned by the government and um and it uh ricocheted off the top the scar and the ejecta are all there been on the site point blank it's like a dangerous place to go um, because the walking conditions, it's very steep. The walking conditions is you're walking sideways looking for a place to stand where the rocks don't move or you don't get bit by a Mojave green. Okay. So, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's that bad. Okay. Serious concerns. <clears throat> yeah. And, seriously. <clears throat> and, and you don't go there doing monsoon, um, because you'll never get out. These places that I went to, 99% of them I went alone. And, uh, and then I did a record of driving a Jeep Wrangler and, the, and I have to get out of the Jeep and walk miles with equipment and water, uh, a lot of times because. Oh, no, it's I, I stay, summer. I stay
2: home. Sorry, I stay home. Yeah. <laughs> so I ain't doing all that walking. No, it's okay.
4: Okay. <laughs> we'll so there's a ricochet. Yeah. And then this thing, and then this, thing, and, and I knew the flight pattern. It's just say all three are flying the same direction from one way to another, uh, going from the north to the south. Every one of them, and...
2: Well, Harry, let me ask you a question. Let me slap right there real quick and ask you a question because, uh, to me, it's always been mind-boggling that, you know, the Roswell crash, for example, happened. Um, and to hear that these crafts, you know, years, a few years later also crashed. Uh, you know, if we're, if we're talking about alien races that come from another planet, you'd think ah, they'd be able to navigate ah. and not crash. I think there's something a little bit more sinister that, you know, what we've done Did on Did I here. skip I mean,
4: over the part about cruise?
2: Uh, we have uh a cruise coming up.
3: Wait, what? Fire yeah, rope? cruise control. Oh, what ones... are we talking about here?
4: <laughs> yeah, you, uh, well, you. I'll give you a few words about that. Um, <laughs> um, I interviewed the last surviving member of the United States Air Force Retrieval Team. Okay, he was eighty-five years old. He died uh, a year later, eighty-six. And then I happened upon the son of. It's amazing. Uh, the the the. There's no coincidences that go on in my life, and it just continues this way. And it just so happens I meet the, the middle-aged beyond, no offense if you're out there listening, uh, getting over past uh, the middle-aged son of another colonel, U.S. Air Force colonel, who uh-huh. was also involved and completely aware, and a friend of the other colonel that I had interviewed. And, and um, he was a young airman at the time, and uh, later became a fighter pilot and a uh, test pilot and a whole bunch of stuff. And so he's he's flown from, along with some others, from Nellis Air Force Base uh, to the Kingman uh, Airport. Okay, forget Army Air Base. It isn't anymore at that point. And uh, they're loaded up in a truck and that was brought in, and it's like a canvas on the back with back flaps, and the whole thing is covered, so they can't see really where they're headed. And I know exactly which way they went and all these things, and how long it took, and it matches everything he said. Been there, done that. And um, and he mentioned something during the interview to me that uh, was rather astonishing. Two things. One, nobody else knew. Nobody else had ever said was a landmark, and the landmark for somebody on the ground looking for the needle that you have no idea what the needle looks like in the haystack. Uh, I had a landmark, okay, and um, I've traveled a long time and a lot of miles, either on foot or by the by the jeep, and so that that made a difference.
2: But now, you he say tells a landmark. What explain the landmark? What it's a
4: natural here? landmark, and I, okay. I won't get into it too much. Because you, here's the part that's gonna rattle some people. Uh-oh, the landing, really. the landing spy, the site, okay, uh-huh, which yeah. still has things from the field kitchen and everything, okay? Stuff that's datable, like I can date a Clovis point and tell you that it's a mastodon hunter from 13 to 16,000 years ago. There's stuff there that was made under government contract for the military, experimental. Two years, 1951 fifty 52, hundreds of them. Okay, and it all and it all fits and makes plenty of sense. And the bivouac area and all the stuff is there. Okay, and the depression where the craft sat. How's that one? Because this is Arizona, and it isn't like a swamp. You know, we, our erosion here is mainly in low areas of sand where you get washes that happen where water runs to, uh, that kind of thing, and. This area is where the base of the 8,256 foot high Wallapai Mountain meets the desert. Okay? So, it had enough protection to survive all of that. And what got them when they pulled up and they got out of the truck at the craft, they see this reflective thing and it's basically the outer surface of the craft resembled brushed metal. Okay? And there's been a zillion descriptions of it from the the interview in 1973, saying it's it's brushed aluminum and all these different things. Nobody nobody's saying what the metal was because when the craft was handed off at Hoover Dam, the the retrieval team doesn't get to know anything else. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Yeah, yeah, when yeah. In the military, I'm former U.S. Army, mm-hmm. and when you when you've done your part and the next person takes it, you're not supposed to know about that right. in most cases, and you're never going to know, right. you know, and and that's what happened, so it handed on. But what they found were four crew members standing, they weren't dead, they weren't running around, they weren't even having a ray gun fight, like in one of the latest books on Amazon, uh, about the Kingman thing, and... Uh, there was no ray gun fight. They were standing there. Their vehicle is disabled. It uh, The rate of fall and forward motion was calculated by Arthur Stansel, the mathematician, physicist, engineer that was taken there. And uh, and it, it, it was driving him crazy because he couldn't see it in the middle of the night except for the big searchlights reflecting off this silver metal. And so you couldn't see the, um, anything out around it. So he thought he was on a flat like out of Frenchman Flat, the bomb blast area, and it was actually a very slow slope where there was a drain field from snowmelt, okay? And the reason the craft sank 20 inches into the surface of the ground was because it was wet, and I've been there in May. I've been there on the 18th of May. I've been there all the seasons, year after year, and I, I can attest to the fact that... Uh, It isn't like you can walk out on it as hard as a rock, but you put some weight on it, and it gives up. It's about four inches of pancake hard on the top. Four crew members, okay? Without going into any detail to take away from what I've spent years, you know, it's like some people say, well, you're doing this just to do a book, or you're doing this just to do a DVD. It's ten years now, okay? Okay. Hello, I'm a historian. You know, I'm going to give you stuff <laughs> that's going to survive for 400 years and right. you can be right. sure what I said is true now. And so what, what this is about is that these crew members who were flying on what is determined to be a terrestrial craft. It is not an interstellar vehicle. This craft had, it was on the way to a base. It's underground, but it's a base. And it's directly beyond this, uh, by X number of miles, quite a long way. And the old timers have pleaded with me till I finally consented not to try to go there. Because, as the stories go being told to me, three tried it and were found dead. Two later try- tried to do this, not that many years ago, they were never found. Okay. That's a pretty good amount of evidence for me, plus some confrontations that I actually had, including with the engineer who was flying the drone with me. And I had him laying on the brush while I had two BDU, well armed, modern, uh, it isn't the M16 anymore, armed stuff wanting to know what I was doing there. And I'm in a place that's, okay, that's, that was legal. But that place, the landing area, by the way, is an archaeological site now. It's like, Nobody's gonna go there and treasure hunt. Nobody's gonna go and pick up souvenirs like they wiped out the alleged area about a, a about a one one acre area was supposed to be crash debris, and there's nothing. Okay, it's been picked hmm. over. I don't even know if there's any stones left, and <laughs> that Probably isn't gonna that. happen <laughs> here, Okay, and so and and people have to understand. Once these things, if they're really found, something's really found. Nobody gets to go and take all the stuff. And I've had I've had a, a, a club from out of the country that wanted to come and have me do a tour, and they wanted to know for, um, want me to quote them prices for some jeeps, 24 wheelbarrows, 24 picks, 24 shovels, and take them to the place, and then with tents, and they and they just dig like crazy. And I said, you can't do that. You know, I mean, the authorities are going to arrest you. <laughs> right. It's an archaeological site. Yeah. But you know, it's like, didn't me didn't matter much to them. So anyway, the crew members were, um, uh, they can't stay there. They weren't injured. They can't stay there. It's the middle of nowhere and there's no, not even cell signal there even now. And they had to dispatch, um, one of the team in a jeep down toward the northeast end of the Wallapai Mountain where it drops down to where they could use a hand radio set to talk to somebody uh, about what are we supposed to do. We've got four individuals. They're medium height, about five feet tall. They've got relatively short, cropped, tan, brownish hair. They're wearing flight suits. They aren't chrome. They don't have antennas in their head, any of this stuff. And what do they look like? When when I asked the elderly air force retrieval member he went breathless and he said they were human uh-huh. and that's what he said now you that's know and i said
2: uh huh
4: yeah and uh, and i'll tell you something <clears throat> this seems to confirm with the, with the early reports of alien or uh, uh extraterrestrial or Out of town or contact, whatever description you want to use, the the description is almost always humanoid. And so what happened is that they were told, get them out of there. You know, it's like, you can't have a crew uh, flying a a flying saucer uh, just standing around waiting for four days uh, for everybody to make up their minds. This, that's top secret. And it's very sensible. They were immediately removed and taken to Groom Lake. That's what happened to them. Okay. Wow. Now, I'm gonna jump ahead. Am I going too fast? No. I'm not watching the chat right now, so everybody please bear with <laughs> oh. me. No,
2: we're, we're just, uh, sitting here tantalized. You're along for the
3: ride. Never yeah. Ride.
2: But, you know, I wanna ask you real quick, because, you know, like, you know, getting back to the effect that they looked human. Uh, do you think they were human? Do you think this is some kind of experiment or were they aliens that just looked human?
4: Everybody needs to know as a historian, I can tell you this. Only, I can only talk about this as in speculation because I have no evidence to prove, um, what their DNA is or anything else. I was told they use a, they use a, a carrier like we use an aircraft carrier for a naval jet. They use a uh-huh. carrier. We call it a mothership. Okay. And then they, f- they go to an underground base because they can't be parked out in the local, uh, airport because somebody will notice there's a whole boatload of UFOs out there.
2: Yeah. If you see a mothership, uh, parking yeah, lot somewhere. And then here, they'll notice. probably yeah. get
4: taxed or something, you know, I mean, perhaps, yeah, or they'll get a it, boot put off. So yeah. Can't move, yeah. You know, it's like you didn't get a permit boots. to park there anyway. Yeah. Big, well, in 1953, you wouldn't even think about it, but uh, what <laughs> do I think? Um, the, the the only thing that, and I've got some stuff here that I can't really show you or talk to you about and make you understand very well on on the uh, internet here but uh I have something that I just happened to do one day it's another one of those not coincidence things that shows how someone who looks human might look like an alien and it's amazing and, and it and it can be reproduced by anybody and I'll tell them about it in uh, in the trade book so they can go do that and teach themselves i think if anything else we would be thinking of them as some kind of a hybrid or 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 we are you know i mean it's like which one is who but right. they aren't they aren't uh they 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 didn't have the suckers on their fingers. This is what the retrieval team were expecting. War of the Worlds had come out in 1953, and by 1951, uh, an extremely good science fiction film, The Day the Earth Stood Still. I mean, it's like perfect. And this craft was very much like that craft, except a hundred and some feet more narrow, naturally, and about no visible seams, uh, uh, and just a hatch open. Light coming out of it, and uh, Stancil wasn't allowed to see in it they weren't allowed to talk to other people um, and they came, they got back in the bus, took the secrecy oath <coughs> pardon me and, w- and he was told that they were uh, looking at a super secret United States Air Force experimental plane which made no sense even to them because they should be in a hangar and Phoenix looking at it, not out in the dirt. Okay, there was something really unusual about this. And he didn't, and I know I just jumped off course. and But he didn't realize it for two weeks after, and he went back uh, to Massachusetts on leave, and he went to a drive-in theater, for anyone that's ever heard about drive-in theaters. And, and he was watching a newsreel, and all of a sudden there's a thing on Operation Blue Book. And here's the colonel who had them take the secrecy oath while they're sitting in the bus. And he's with Operation Blue Book, and so all of huh. a sudden he realized this wasn't an aircraft. The reason that the way it didn't get all smashed up, uh, and the reason it's a disc, and all these things, it, it all made sense. He was, he was working on around and measuring a flying saucer, and and so he technically was working for, and this gets all messed up with the, the storytellers. The, um, he technically was working for Operation Blue Book. For one hour, the whole thing. By the way, he was on the ground with the craft. All the scientists were on the ground with the craft. One hour, they reboarded the bus, took the oath, and left. And uh, and all the stories that have been told about this are based on just one hour. And a, a zillion things have happened. Uh, uh, they they say happened, and they're unfounded. They are not true, and they aren't supported by any facts whatsoever. In fact, some of them are so laughable that it shows that some of the other people involved in this, and some are noted people, have done zero research, zero, none, uh, to to make statements. Anyway, let me get to the other. are, are, Are we done? Are we comfortable with the alien ET whatever for the moment? I just wanna, yes. I, I just want I want a real quick
3: recap just to make sure that I understand you're you, now we're saying here that the the, the aliens quote unquote uh-huh. that got out of this craft look just like humans or were humans or we don't know.
4: No, well, I'm going I'm going based on what multiple witnesses have said <clears throat> and I'm thinking that they look I have human. Five, five five what I call first hand eyewitnesses they touched the craft Okay. Right. They touched the craft and, and they didn't know each other. And, um, uh, um, and, and they hadn't retold the story. In the meantime, all this other stuff was happening. The two colonels, the son talks about the two colonels one day. Okay. At, uh, his father's home are laughing at one of the UFO people for all the stories that are being told about the Cayman craft because it was baloney. They were laughing, but let me tell you this part, just to make things more complicated. The the crew was standing with three members. They all have their back to the craft, facing the retrieval team, and it's kind of like they're close, but they all they're not. Nobody's moving here, okay? And the Air Force people are like stunned, okay, because it, it isn't anything like they expected, and and there was one member. Standing in front of the other three, who spoke to them in English, okay, wow. <laughs> and, wow. and and <clears throat> mind and, blown, and consented that they would leave with whoever the retrieval team was selected to take them on to Groom Lake to one of their main facilities. They just, you know, they're ensuring them it's a, a, a facility, and and the only thing that was asked of them was. That at no time the, the crew be separated. That was it. And that's all the colonel as an airman heard said. And I asked him, did you hear this with your ears or did <laughs> you hear it in your head? Right. And he it's said it's a reasonable said, question
2: considering. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, sh-
4: he kind of just shook his head slow and he said it sounded like I was hearing it with my ears, but <laughs> it was like still this man was very bright, very brilliant. And, uh, um, what he passed away from had n- he didn't have Alzheimer's. He didn't pass away from anything connected that would interfere with your mental capacity. So, I'll leave you with that thought on that. We well, question, to- question, question,
2: question about these aliens. Did they okay. look, uh, Aryan? Did they look Nordic, German? They, Were they blonde, blue eyes?
4: Well, the only difference with the actual look, and, uh, and I won't go beyond this because, um, People will be able to read it and see some some art of it okay, okay. and um, the the, f- the eyes were nor- well basically normal size okay like ours they were slightly further apart and and the face more flat with the chin coming down more like a heart like a candy uh, Valentine heart the you know more pointed okay okay But not pointed. So, I mean, it's like more pointed. Kind of like Christina
2: Ricci, but but, with up to five (laughs) heads.
4: No. In the general population, you would walk right by one. Got it. I mean, you may have. You know, I'm saying their similarity is so close that they wouldn't have to do anything special. You know what I'm saying? And uh, that's based on descriptions from multiple people. There's a couple of people that I won't divulge. Nobody knows. Uh, who these people are, uh, one of them is w- w- very famous, uh, who was also there, he, uh, and, and what transpired was his own experience. And, and this is like an ind- individual thing's happening. The, the The retrieval team was there before the scientists showed up, you know, and before the, the M-25 tank transporter and 38-foot trailer showed up. The cuts made for turning the bus around, and the M-25 are still there. Okay, and and uh, all of the things associated with setting up the, the 20 military police that were brought in there that blocked off the road, which, by the way, they wouldn't allow the sheriff and the undersheriff through. They tried to get through, okay? So I'm telling you, there's a whole bunch of other stuff. And uh, it's amazing, and that's the craft that the entire Area 51 story is based on. It wasn't a junk pile. It was in perfect condition. If you're going to reverse engineer something, there's the one that'd be a good one to pick. Right. Because it's
2: not a crashed, messed up. Yeah. Because either
4: the the, the avionics were affected most likely or the propulsion system. And I'm going to explain why the only, the only challenge to any of that, (coughs) pardon me, is when that was presented at a conference in Rome, Italy. No, I stand corrected. Tarquinia. It's 56 miles from Rome. Uh, on, the, on the Mediterranean, and uh, a man stood up and said, uh, in regard to my remark that it would, what was going on here at the time, would have caused a modern-day 737 to roll over on its back and go right smack into the ground. And he didn't, he didn't believe that that's the source of that cause could happen. And I can tell you that the FAA still insists you don't be doing this. Or you can cause a commercial jet, non-hardened, not-hardened military aircraft, to have its flaps change, have its ailerons or flapperons move, or go off of automatic pilot with no warning signal. And so that's why you can't turn on certain kinds of electronic devices in an airplane, uh, except when they say it's okay. It cannot happen during takeoff and landings, Okay. And so the only challenge, <clears throat> and then I have documentation to prove what I'm saying, which calmed the, the, the fellow down at Tarquinia. My first live as in, uh, presentation on this was not in the United States; it was in Mexico. Okay, and in, in 2014, my, uh, my me getting into this and saying more and showing some things about it um, was um, broadcast in central and south america audience level about forty four million people okay and um... and people in europe have heard this to come off of um out of uh... Um, london and liverpool um, fm one oh four I think fm or whatever it is uh... going over to the continent and uh... i'm due eventually to go back to italy and do that and i certainly hope to do it when i'm in poland and a couple of places over that way, but I have presented here and I mentioned the international Ufo uh conference i spoke I had major newspapers there you know it's like I have evidence you know do you, that means everybody understand i actually what all the things I hear about are lights seen in the sky I get lights seen in the sky some of them here do some pretty weird things mm-hmm. and um uh, and we still have a flyway here Okay, Red Lake crash. Make it very simple. Ricocheted off of a, off a butte. They didn't clear it. If they'd have just gone a little higher, if they could have controlled the crowd and gone a little higher, they would have augered into the desert floor. Instead, they ricocheted off, went over a, a, uh, livestock reservoir on, uh, Leonard Neal's ranch. He was a, an old time rancher from the Big Sandy in 1892. And he, and he owned the property where it went down. He owned everything. Everybody of old timer, old families are related to Leonard Neal. Oh my goodness. And and, and, and they don't tell anybody anything. Okay. So anyway, the craft was severely damaged. And I can certainly tell you that it was. And two of the, of the occupants, uh, suffered extreme, uh, injuries to the lower extremities. They were taken to Nellis and died from those injuries. Two dead. The other two who were roughed up were taken to groom. Now you've got six alive, okay? And then two days later, right in front of Old Town, in the daytime, a UFO, people are saying, a, a, a disc come down, it hit the mountain, it set the Wallapi Mountain, which is timbered, has elk and all of these kinds of things, it's over 8,000 feet high, set it on fire, and there's a raging fire and um, volunteers, we don't have a big, they still don't have a big fire department here, but but, but pretty good. And, Better but enough. there was no aerial stuff. They got to the scene. There was a Forest Service worker there who came up with more supplies, and he notices right at the source of the fire two individuals wandering around, two guys wandering around, and they're like they're, they're disoriented, lost. And he went over to talk to them, and they wouldn't talk to him. Then he became suspicious that um, maybe they were arsons because there was no rain. no, And in spite of all the stories told, there was no lightning, no rain, uh, right. or anything the entire month of May. And and so <clears throat> he takes them into custody, okay, these two individuals. And he walks past a reporter uh, who's got a pencil and a little pad, and he's writing down stuff for the newspaper, And he sees Joe, the Forest Service worker, go by, and he writes down, Joe, he's got two. Check this out. This is in the paper. Two strange-looking men in custody, okay? They're wearing some kind of coveralls. We call them flight suits, okay? (laughs) Wow. He took them to the 1915 Mojave County Courthouse, the sheriff's office, it took me months to find out where the sheriff's office was. It's another story. <laughs> anyway,
3: yeah, because
4: everybody, everybody, including the modern-day sheriff's office, thought it was torn down. Right. But it wasn't. It was in the basement of the 1915, the first poured-in-place, steel-reinforced concrete building in, in, uh, in the old town of Mojave County and Kingman, Arizona. And it's still there. It's on the National Register of Historic Sites. And, uh, and the lower part's been off limits to the public for over 30 years. Court does business down there where nobody can see what they're doing and all that kind of stuff. And so, uh, he took, he took them to, uh, there and they go to the sheriff's office and you got two doors you have to pass through, security doors and inside are four deputies and they have a window and they'll talk to you out of a window. And so the four, the four service work, worker ex- explains what's going on, takes, takes these two strange-looking men inside, and they're talking. The sheriff isn't there because it's like Mayberry, USA, and he's down at the pond with Opie catching fish or whatever, you know. <laughs> and they have to send a deputy That's to go find analogy. Sheriff Porter. This is all I can prove what I'm telling you here. You know, this is amazing. Well, Harry, how exactly yeah.
2: can we prove this? Because at this point, it's been so long. I mean, the, what, what's the physical evidence of this?
4: The physical evidence?
2: I mean, is there any physical evidence at all that we could touch? Feel? I have
4: physical evidence here. I passed off physical evidence to the, uh, state director of the Arkansas MUFON, even, you know. I also have, uh, part of, uh, the inner, inner workings in frame of a P-39 air cover that collided with a B-17 bomber in 1944 in November. ...that nobody could find, and over a thousand people were out looking and couldn't read the ground. And I've got it sitting here in my office right in front of me. So it's like, as a byproduct, I have something other than uh, historical. Here's the bottom line. They put the two... There's two detention rooms in this sheriff's office. Over the ceiling is 14-inch thick concrete. Sidewalls, it's below grade, which means there's no windows outside. It's the ground, okay? Okay. This room they put him in, it's called, was called a detention room, later called an interrogation room. They put him in the room and locked the door. There's three deputies and an oak bench outside the door where the forest service worker sat while the other deputy was gone to get the sheriff. That oak bench is still there. Okay. Everything else is still there because I found a document that described the interior of that office and it's exact. And it's another story about how I got to go in and all that. But anyway, so the sheriff comes. He's briefed by the Forest Service worker. And he, and he said, all right, open up. And the deputy unlocked the door. The sheriff walked through. The Forest Service work, worker walked through. And then the deputy. And through the window out in a waiting area, the reporter watches because he followed him. And they walked into the room, those three. And... The reporter put it in the paper as the word, and they vanished. They weren't there anymore. Mm. Okay? Harry Houdini couldn't get out of the room. I'd been allowed in it. I have photographed the room. I was permitted to photograph the entire thing. There are no openings of any kind. They were
2: teleported out of there.
3: Wow. Now, was this one of those in front of their eyes or kind of a walked away, came back, weren't there?
2: Or they just blinked
3: out. Or did they just like yeah. blinked out right in front of them? Yeah.
4: Yeah. Well, uh, I'm not sure if you're asking me about the crew members.
3: Yeah, the crew members.
2: Yes. They, they blink out of existence. Or they opened the door and went
4: in, and the crew, the room was empty. The crew members weren't there, and to get out of there, they would have to pass this forest service worker who was within 14 inches of the door. And the three deputies inside, armed deputies, inside of a room that has two doors you have to unlock inside to get out as well as unlock to get in. Okay? And they weren't there.
2: Wow. So they just vanished. They yeah, yeah. literally just vanished. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Guys, hold on right there. we got to take a quick commercial break. We're actually due for a break for the last couple of minutes. Uh, guys, we'll be back here on Sky Watchers Radio with more Harry Drew. An amazing story. If you guys want to get in, please Skype us. We'll take your call. <laughs>
3: Now nah, I really want
2: to know how many times I've walked past an alien. Have you heard Mac Maloney lately? In your military career, did you ever see anything that came close to an unusual UFO sighting or?
0: No.
4: Holy <laughs> That was yeah, yeah. 10 yeah. seconds of uh, no. no. Yeah.
2: What are you that tr- was so convincing. Yeah, what are you trying to right. say there?
4: Well, UFO is an innocuous term. That's the
0: worst <laughs> fucking denial I've ever heard. You know, flying, flying something. something. Mac
2: Maloney's Military X-Files, Friday nights at 11 p.m. Eastern, on the Public Streaming Radio Network.
0: You you know, know, The George Rodriguez Show. Who? I said The George Rodriguez Show. You don't know George Rodriguez. Wasn't he the guy that filled in for Neil Rogers? Yes. That George Rodriguez. What's he like? Oh, he's a short little Cuban feller. Kind of funny looking. Well, when's he on? 12 to 3, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. On SoFloRadio.com and SoFloRadio.net. The George Rodriguez Show. He's much more than... Adequate.
2: Welcome back to the uh, final twenty-five minutes of Skywatchers Radio with our guest Harry Drew. my goodness, Harry, uh, you just like completely blew our minds. You know that,
1: right?
3: Mind blown.
1: I'm still mind blown over the Drew Barrymore thing. Got a total <laughs> crutch on her.
2: Yeah, ditto here, man. Yeah. Ditto here. <laughs> oh my goodness. But no, seriously, you know, I didn't. You know, I, I was not aware there was these many crashes that were unreported for such a long time. Uh, after the Roswell crash, and it does seem to me like these, all these things are interconnected to Roswell, one way or the other.
4: Right. Well, you know, when I read the information about Roswell, and, and listen, I think it's great they have the, the, the activity there, and all of the fanfare and everything. Well, that
2: smoke, that smoke and mirrors though, I mean, we gotta admit, that's just, you know, like, that's the illusion.
4: Yeah. But, the, uh, within a, within days, well, right at the same time, Roswell, the only, Deliberate, ominous, aggressive attack of UFOs, flying saucers, against people occurred, okay? We're talking July 1947, early July 1947, and a small propeller-driven aircraft with a pilot and a businessman passenger were on approach 500 feet off the ground. Guess where? Kingman, when they were coming into the airport and from the direction of the underground base came UFOs and on a collision course and they're, and it's like they're doing air to ground to the Radio Shack. Um, they're, they're under attack and they were set upon aggressively and with hostility with witnesses and, uh, they successfully landed the plane and virtually kissed the ground when they got out. And by the time they got out of the plane and tried to head back to like the, just, it's an old building, low, like an old one, one story little shack. And it's a radio shack where they put all of the stuff to talk to airplanes back then. And, okay. and, uh, and, and by then, some, somebody at the at the at the Radio Shack had called Herbert, the newspaper story guy, and he came down to cover what was going on, and he was there to interview him. They wouldn't talk to him, and one guy on the way, the businessman on the way out of there, they're scared out of their wits, said, uh, "I'll tell you this, we don't need no bromo, okay?" Meaning they hadn't been drinking. Okay, but everybody everybody knew that. That's well, Roswell is talking about uh, some kind of a crash that never mentions in the beginning, never mentions a thing. That's thirty miles out of Roswell that this thing went down. Okay, supposedly debris about the, no larger than the palm of your hand or the size of your hand was scattered for a square mile, and uh, later they say four bodies were found there. I can tell you from personal experience, when an airplane hits the ground with people in it, you find people pieces everywhere. Okay? So they wouldn't be laying all lined out together like in some kind of ceremony with their, with their flight suits on and perfectly intact. So I have a problem with that. That's just me. Okay? Because I look at the stone cold facts. But that, no, 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 alien no ets are reported in the beginning and then one of the principal witnesses or one of the principal ufo people pushing the that at the time was on with a guy named Phil class who was a a, a debunker yes. and and I'm not a debunker yep. I'm a historian we got to get it right okay and the, so class is challenging him and there's statements made by an 11 year old boy that the ufo guy swears has got to be the truth and class is a can't be but the same guy, who took the word of an 11-year-old boy, will not accept the word of a 14-year-old girl who is the daughter of the rancher, who picked, who reported to the sheriff that this thing went down on that ranch. And I think, well, why would he do that? And why would you? And 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 his summary is that the girl doesn't know what she's talking about. Can you remember anything you ever thought about, or said, or did when you were 14? Probably. And, uh, because, is it because she's a girl? Uh, you know, I don't understand. But, so I thought all this was kind of interesting. But, my work also took me to... He's a misogynist,
2: Terry, that's what it was. Yeah. Okay.
4: Oh, Kenneth yeah. Arnold, who was supposed to be the first man to see a UFO in modern times. Right. And, yep. and you're gonna find out looking at my, at my work, and it tells you where to go and look, and here's the evidence, I'll show it to you, you can call up, you can take a drive and go to talk to people that still exist and know about that. He was not. You know, he said he saw it on the 24th, 20, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, 24th of uh, June 1947. And right. uh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It had already been called in. AP called it into all the papers at 9, and he reported it, Arnold reported it, on the 25th when he flew from Yakima, Washington, to a place called Pendleton, Oregon. And, and that's where a, a rancher in Pendleton told him all about seeing nine UFOs. And that was never mentioned by Arnold ever again. He took the, he took the credit. And, uh, you know, I mean, so it's like, there's some really interesting and, and sad kind of things, uh, you know, as far as, uh, uh, pulling, hoodwinking people. But what I'm telling you about is in the books. Uh, you can get an idea for those that are on chat. And, and I'll try to jump over there if it's open for a few minutes and say hello. If anybody wants to say hello, but they can go to www. KingmanUFOCrashes.com. that's my website uh, and you can also find me over on Facebook uh, and the link is in, in the uh, website so uh, that's www.kingmanufocrashes.com all lowercase it's been great talking to you and I know we're running out of time here so I wish I could show you what the books look, look like the new junior. Oh, no, we, 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 got,
2: we got another, a few minutes, uh, we got a few minutes left, uh, before, you know, we, we do, uh, sign off for the evening, but, uh, I, I did, uh, wanted to ask you a couple different questions, but I also wanted to make sure that, uh, my co-host here had, uh, you know, answered all their okay. questions. Uh, well, Crystal, here- do you have any questions, uh, for Harry?
3: Not yet. Not yet. I'm still over okay. Yeah. No, no I, I'm, sure. pro- I'm actually processing. I, I'm still going back to it's, the fact that the there's a lot of members. Yeah. No, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's amazing that he got to talk to somebody and tell that they literally disappeared. Just re- where did they go? Like, was there a flash of light? Was there any residue left in that room? Like, a, I don't know. A, did somebody's hair stand on end because there was some, you know, maybe like electromagnetic something? I mean, that's Scotty just.
4: Scott, he me up.
3: The AD uh, he you know, was I was about gone. to say. Scotty, <laughs> beat me up. I was about to you say know, it You know what? High and buy.
4: <laughs> I can scare you even more, Crystal, because this happened in 1950 with five of them.
3: Wow! And
4: and the vehicle, all vanished oh. off the face of the earth. Here, all gone.
2: That's a, that's amazing.
4: Sorry about that. That's something yeah.
3: else. So, I mean, and that's really interesting too. I mean, because we hear, you know, the stories about how they've apparently got aliens and they did all this stuff on them and blah blah blah. And now we hear the story. Well, you know, they don't. They can just go whenever they want. So, you know, now is this a form
2: of technology, Harry? Uh, do you think, or is this just uh, some kind of magic?
3: Magic
4: is science. Science is magic.
2: Yeah. There you go.
4: On the front of the book, it says eleven UFOs. One UFO landed. Two UFOs crashed. 44 ETs, don't forget the eight, and the six doing dogfights. Six taken alive, four taken dead, two taken to the sheriff's office, and escaped. <laughs> there it is. That's right on the front cover.
2: Wow. I it. Are you to sure, Are you sure it's, on, on, uh, it's called it Seven
4: Skype Days here? in May.
2: Oh, I thought you were going to show it to us on Skype, so I'm I scrambling trying to get to my Skype. I know.
4: <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs>
2: Uh that's fun stuff. Uh, all right, Harry, uh thanks for being on the show with us, man. We really uh, appreciated your time here on Skywatchers Radio right with us. And, Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, a out. wonderful
4: group. Thank you. Yeah. Question,
2: are, are you going to be uh anywhere in the near future uh, you know, doing lectures and stuff or talking?
4: I'm I'm not going anywhere till next year.
2: Oh, okay. What do you do next year? You well, I I'm
4: going some places
3: but not for work. Actually, you brought up now. If you've got very quick, you you brought up about. It reminded me that we were talking when we were off. You know, we were on break um, earlier about you had gone to a UFO conference and uh, you went to a MUFON conference actually, and you actually had to have an armed escort. Can you talk briefly about that? I have spoken at the
4: biggest um, conferences in the United States. I don't see a need to go back unless they really wanted me. I've spoken at the um, the the LAX uh, uh, Expo. Uh, at the Hilton, uh, there's like 5,000 people to the door at the New Living, uh, Expo in San Francisco. It's a square block. Never believed I could ever be at a place like that. There's like 20,000 people, uh, there. And, and then of course, MUFON, uh, and, uh, Orange County, uh, LA, and, and different, and different ones of, um, UFO uh, UFOCon, uh, in, uh, the Bay Area. San Francisco. Yeah, but
2: you needed. A, what was it a Crystal an escort on this one?
3: Yeah, he said. Yeah, you were at a Mufon conference giving a talk about the Kingsman and you actually needed an escort for security reasons.
2: Yeah, like what happened?
4: Like yeah, the Some first, the first one. Nobody told me. I made it. You
3: know, that's a, that's a positive. Yeah. Good job. Good job. Okay. Glad we're not yeah. talking to a but, ghost.
2: That's yeah. always good. Yes, but what happened, Harry? Tell us.
4: Well, uh, basically, the only thing that happened is that, <laughs> uh, and I'm not used to the crowd. You know. Um, I got torpedoed by a guy that um, wanted to coast on the thunder, and while I was talking about the, just started talking about the third craft and the ones where they escaped, um, he got on the phone with the examiner and gave him uh, an overview of of what I was talking about so uh-huh. that the examiner would have it, and he misquoted me five times and quoted me, made a the sixth quote I didn't even make it. You know, I mean, it's like this. And then there was a like a Green examiner it was a three-page uh series done where he did that and he said he did a lengthy telephone interview with me and I've never talked to the guy in my life so I was not used to that kind of thing to where you have people that want to jump on the bandwagon to be able to promote something they're doing right. and uh, and uh, that i'm talking about stuff that's fact based i didn't have anybody that i could tell uh that was trying to get at me and i had some really good personal friends Bob Brown who was a, who's been the man who was the uh International UFO Congress IFUC, uh for years and sold it off to a, a chap in uh Scottsdale Arizona over by Phoenix and then um, uh, producer director uh, lecturer uh Ted Loman was with me on like stuck with me like glue and then uh Steve Hudgens who is the National Director of Investigations for MUFON, and um, a couple of others. Yeah, that were Steve's like, a great guy. Point. We
1: love Steve. Yep, yep. Love Pardon? Steve. Love Steve. He's a good guy.
4: guy. We Love guy. Steve. Good guy. Uh, but are, yeah, but, they're all good. They're, everybody's wonderful people. But I but ran into the that, But, that, but why did like, you need an escort? Like, what happened?
2: Like, were you approached? Were you, were you harassed, attacked? I mean, like, what happened?
4: No, yeah, no, not not at the presentation, but um, there was. Uh, I was buzzed out on a 1912 wagon road while I was just finishing up with a tripod and camera and the landmark over my shoulder, and I'm Uh talking to the camera, and I always talk to my Jeep to a camera when I'm leaving a site. In the event that I'm found not alive or I'm not found or my Jeep is, it has the last things I had to say about it. And it's like something that happened at at the Red Lake area, something I saw, something that happened, uh, and and I going out of that, and I have that, and I say, dangerous place that's what i say to the camera you know i'm getting out of here but i was done and it left a thing on the hood of my jeep even you know so whatever it was and Uh, but i saw it
2: freaky that's freaky
4: so and and then um um, i had a craft here daytime 400 400 feet off the ground i thought it was a, a delta craft are you interested in that you know, and it's like. Yeah, uh, I'm interested in anything you know, that it has like, to do with the craft. Uh, this yeah, this thing is massive. Yeah. Massive, massive, massive thing. And uh, I thought, and I saw it about six miles away. I live, I'm I'm in a valley between two mountain rangers. And I've got mountains um, about 340 degrees around me. And um, beautiful and all of that. And uh, I look over at what's called the Surbat Mountains. And it's my side of it. So it's. Less than six miles. And I watched it for about five minutes and it just kind of sat there. So I thought I better get a camera and went and got a camera and went back out of my backyard. My backyard, by the way, opens up to 35 miles of open desert. I have a, I have a horse ranch. Okay. Nice. In the desert. Alright. 20 and, feet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I
2: mean, you and my that. dog poops all over the place. It's, yeah. it's terrible. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you a question. Though, not to sidetrack you, but you know we only have a few minutes. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't get to ask you earlier because uh, we were so like tantalized, you know, listening to you. But uh, what, do you, what do you make of uh, a certain uh, person by the name of Bob Lazar?
4: I know who that is. Yeah. Okay. But and, what I, do you and make, I've been asked. Ha- like? You know, I can't. I'm not going to. I, you know uh, I'm aware of the individual and and it's like he was gone he's come back and uh, and um, I uh, the craft that was drawn by a first hand eyewitness who not only touched this vehicle who was under it and uh, who did um, estimates not he did measurements under it and uh, and then estimates of its rate of fall and forward speed and all of that drew a drawing of what it looked like. And this was replicated uh, by researcher Raymond Fowler. I, in turn, uh, gained access to all of this because Fowler, back in 1978, sent it to the Mojave County historian, who since passed away in 1985. I am the Mojave County historian, uh, and things to do with uh, unidentified flying object, okay, and by well, virtue the, of that.
2: The, the reason I bring Bob Lazar, I'll come back to him real quick, is uh, uh, you know, just wanted to see if maybe the UFO that he was back engineering yeah. was similar to, to the, the UFOs here in Kingsman.
4: I know his craft was made into a model and a lot of things, and, and don't I have no ill will towards the man, but the craft looks to me like a 1974 Datsun up against the UFO that uh, you'll see on the front cover of my book, which is taken directly from the from the drawings made at the time.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, with that said, i gonna we'll have to look at those photos. Okay. Right. There's not it's a whole bunch
4: to... of brick brack on the outside of the craft like uh-huh. the, I've seen in the Lazar um, thing, and it's like, I'll tell you something from my research that the, that, Tech the technology of the era has a lot to do with how the craft look as they're being described by witnesses. And right. Makes uh, sense. instead of using bolts and nuts to hold plates of steel together like Monster. a locomotive, they, right. they they upgraded and made it streamlined by using bridge rivets in their in their illustrations. Okay. I have a cutaway of a craft that the the mechanism to drive the craft was thought to be a disc underneath the floor that's spinning and it's got gears and it causes some kind of, uh, uh effect on the gravitational field and, and this, and it's a center pillar that spins inside where the crew is. You know, wow. and this is like, uh, I don't know, you know, so, and I know there's one, uh, what is it? Zins- Zinsky or whoever that is. It's an 1898 chicken feeder. You know, that's been modified, mm. photographed.
2: Oh, no, I don't know about what that. What can I tell but, you? You know. But the the center console reminds me of Doctor Who. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a
4: little bit, a
3: little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, guys, we're almost out of time here. Uh, Harry, really, it has uh, been a pleasure having you on the show. and Thank you. And uh, again, again, to chat with you for the last hour and a half and uh, hearing about this uh, amazing tale, of the Kingsman UFO. Give us again the uh, website address uh, so f- folks can follow your research and uh, look into uh, what you're doing with Kingsman.
4: If they go to www.kingmanufocrashers.com, they'll learn a whole bunch more and see a lot of photos from fieldwork. Six yeah, years the of field. Cool. So. You're very brave, all of you, and thank you for the interview and the time. And it was a joy to talk to you. Good man, thank you so much, you Harry. You
1: too, Harry. Good night, That's Harry. It's good, good night, show. Harry. Yep.
2: That was a lot of fun, guys. Uh, we have uh, you know a lot of great guests here on Skywatchers Radio, and we're going to have another great one next week and the week after that. We're booked. Uh, for many, many, many. You like
3: went nuts. You just Mm -hmm. went crazy. You jackal just went like, I'm gonna book all the guests for all the things, and all of a sudden we were booked till December.
2: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs)
3: booked till December.
2: And uh you know, hey look, I liked uh listening to Harry and uh and his story oh, is fascinating. Yeah, that mm-hmm.
3: I had no idea. Like literally had no idea. So that's uh yeah. um, you
1: do, yep. He's quite the uh there's been so many
2: different uh UFO crashes that you know once you start hearing about all these different ones it it is mind boggling. But he didn't really answer the question that I asked though and uh uh you know, I I admit he just didn't have an answer for it. uh, um, I don't know, but it was you know, the, the basic question is, you know, they can come here from uh wherever how are these things crashing? I don't get it. It still boggles right. my mind.
3: Yeah, that's that's a really, I don't know. And a, a it's accidents be, still happen in the future. Yeah,
2: I mean, yeah, but that was the past.
3: That was the past. Ah, uh-huh. oh, oh, mind
0: blown. Mind Fooled blown. you. Oh <laughs>
3: my goodness! It's got You know what? And it's got to be something. I just want to say it's like something sciencey. It's something in the air. It's something, you know, you know, stupid. It would be stupid to us, but like to aliens, it literally makes their planes crash. I don't know.
4: Their you know, oxygen is
3: too much. Every to time watch. somebody uses Febreze, you know, and an alien gets caught in that, you know, spritzer, it screws up their radio and that's it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be hard, something like that.
2: It'll be some craziness if Febreze really does cause your alien you know what? spacecraft know <laughs> that
3: It will. It'll be something like like they are that high tech, but we've got this one little What is this liquid card. that makes us crash? It's this thing called Febreze. I, I want to know where they're teleporting. That's my alien voice, by the way. That, that's, where are they disappearing? I mean, if you can do that, what the hell do you need a craft, like, a craft from? Are you just, like, teleporting up to the mothership? That's, well, you can't um, yeah, see? maybe they
2: have a limitation mm. on how far they can send the person or being, you
3: know? That's, that's possible. That's very, very possible. That's interesting. I mean, and, and you are know, talking about
2: teleportation, does this have anything to do with maybe, uh, well, for example, Star Trek using teleportation? Cause we've always, you know, we've heard many, many times in the past that Hollywood has been, uh, you know, conditioned, uh, mm-hmm. to condition us into accepting these kind of themes and mythologies and stuff. Uh, so who's not to say that maybe, uh, you know, Star Trek using teleportation devices mm-hmm. is on purpose, just to, you know, Absolutely. get us used to the idea. And I'm kind of like, you know, I'm scared. if, if They tell me tomorrow, hey, uh, we can teleport you from here to your job from now on where you don't have to drive there anymore. That terrifies me. Little because of the, of the simple fact that it, it, in the bare essence of teleportation, you're destroying me on one end and you're rebuilding me on the other end. So in other words, I'm dying and then I'm being reborn.
3: Yeah, I wouldn't. I you know, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of government programs to begin with. So when they announce that now, guys, we've got a teleportation device, I will be the last person to use it. Super excited about it, but the last person to use it.
2: I want nothing to do with the thing. I'll be like, no, no, no. I'll take the bus. Yeah. It's okay.
3: You are okay. right, though. I think, and I don't think it's it. I don't think it's conspiracy that we are absolutely conditioned. To hear about things in the fiction realm, so then when we hear about them, you know, you know, UFO experiences come forward and talk about that, people don't believe them because they saw it on Battlestar Galactica. Like, no way, because you right. saw it on TV. It's just it's just another way to kind of keep us in the dark about whatever it is they know that we're not allowed to know. Right. But at this point, it's just dumb. Cause, come on. Yeah.
2: Or are we getting the stuff from the TVs and the TV shows? Because, look, let's be honest here. Uh, David Icke didn't start talking about reptilians until that show V was on the air.
3: True. I, well, I, you know what? I think some of the um, less than credible uh, people in the field of ufology might be getting it from TV, when not you know the vice versa. But I um,
1: love the V. That was a great series. That was a good series. Original.
3: Not that. I watched that one. I haven't seen that one.
2: I like yeah. the uh, the remake was decent. It was getting good at the end because it started bringing some of the original characters back I'll into it up a little bit. Yeah, but then they just killed it. And I love the main chick, though. She's on Gotham now. Yeah, she's very... She, was, she was in uh, Deadpool. Also, mm-hmm. I love her. She's awesome. Yeah, she is.
3: Did not see. Did not see. But anyway. I'm also very fascinated by the fact that they look like... They look very similar to us. Because, I mean, and that's what I think... I, You know, I would think an alien would look like. If you've got that kind of technology and you wanted to be down here and really observe us, the best way to do it is to just be here and right. observe look us, like us. And right, look right. like us. Just might as well. Yeah.
2: So, I mean, how many times have I had
3: a conversation with an alien and I didn't know it? That, I- Hide in plain sight. Come on, guys, you know, I'm it, down. Take me on the spaceship. You know, Damn it's it. crazy, but
2: it kind of like goes back to the, even the Men in Black movie, you know, as funny as they mm-hmm. were and as joking around as they were, when you look at where they're talking about the, you know, the mythology of the aliens blending into human society and people just walking by and not noticing it, that's very, that's very doable. I mean, that could easily happen.
3: I mean, that's what the quote-unquote Illuminati does and all the other, you know, secret societies hide and play inside. When you look, when you realize what the Masonic symbol looks like, and you, you actually have, you know, you consciously look for it, you will be shocked how many places it actually is. Yeah, no kidding. Just shocked. It's <laughs> I mean, everywhere. How many lodges you will drive by. I mean, I've lit. I mean, God, there's two in New Orleans I saw. Um, there's one here. I've seen them on people's license plates. Like just, um, uh-huh. like, you're just like, where, I mean, as soon as you like open up your eyes to it, literally it, they hide in plain sight. It's the best thing to do because people don't notice. Exactly.
2: You- yeah. Yeah. Guys, we're all out of time here. Uh, we have Dr. J radio coming up next and, uh, next week we're going to have Jason, uh, quit on the line uh, with us and going to be nice on the show.
0: Woo-hoo! Uh,
2: He's a really interesting uh, individual Again, another great guest Fascinating Fascinating guest And uh, we're going to keep rolling along Until the end of the year With fascinating guests after guests So please stick around and come back And keep listening every Tuesday night At 11 p.m. Eastern Right here on Skywatchers Radio But until next time, folks Like I always say around this time Keep looking up to the skies And stay safe And if you see an Indian ship Run! Like no, probing you.
3: no! Wave it down and tell it to come pick us up.
2: Like I was saying, wave him down, tell him to come pick us up. Pick us up. Throw me a rope ladder. You don't got to only zap the with cool it. ones. I don't want to get. Bored. I'll no, climb up. Cool up. I'll go to you. Only the cool aliens. Though. Only the cool yeah. aliens. Okay, we're ready. Yeah, okay. guys, we'll be back next week. See <laughs> I watch Watchers Radio out. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Love y'all.